Hey everyone, welcome to episode 132. We changed around the order a little bit because just the urgent situation that we're all dealing with with the COVID pandemic. We brought Chad Landers and Mark Fisher on. We want to talk to those guys about kind of how they're weathering the storm. They're both physical facility owners, but we also delved into their thoughts for you know personal trainers and, and everybody who doesn't necessarily own a physical place. And all of the ideas that they have, uh, you know, the current reality of the stress that we're dealing with, but also some strategies and some optimism to come out of this uh, in a in the long run. So I hope you really enjoy this one and take something positive out of it. And we want you to reach out to us, uh, you know, Andrew here and, and Dean on our social media or Instagram. If you're someone who listens to this and, you know, if you're struggling right now or just let let us know how you're doing. If you've never talked to us before, we want to hear from you guys. So I hope you really enjoy this one and be engaged with us. Thanks. Shut up and sit down. Hey everyone, uh, we put together a, a podcast today where we didn't actually script it, we just wanted to free roll it, and we've got Chad Landers and we've got Mark Fisher. They're friends of ours, they're gym owners, uh, they've both been previous guests, uh, hopefully you're familiar with both these guys. Uh, Chad owns Push Private Fitness in uh, North Hollywood, in, uh, California, and Mark Fisher owns Mark Fisher Fitness, uh, who's him and, uh, and Michael Keeler, his partner. Uh, in New York City. So obviously we're right in the middle of the COVID pandemic. For anyone who's listening to this way off in the future and is coming back and reliving this stuff, I'm sorry for the, the trauma that it's revisiting upon you, but right now we're in the middle of it. So uh, we wanted to create something here and, and get the guys ideas uh, for anyone who's right now struggling, anyone who owns a physical facility or a fitness business or an enthusiast who's struggling. So uh, welcome guys, we're grateful to have you both. Good Thanks to be for having us. So I guess, I don't know, I think the biggest thing, because essentially what I see is that there's gonna be people that are listening to this that have businesses and or are closed or whatever, and kind of just your thoughts on where your guys' heads at, like right now in terms of like, what do you, what's your plan for the future and how are you kind of adapting to, I guess, the realistic nature of what's happening now? And we could just start off with Chad, I think. I see you in a circle on my screen. Dad, <laughs> okay. Chad, you're first, and then I'll, then Mark is next. We're like the Brady Bunch here. We're like yeah. gonna look look over and look down, and <laughs> no one can see you on a podcast. But right. that's how I envision it, so it's, it's okay. So yeah, I'm. You know, my gym for people who don't know, uh, I'm kind of polar opposites with Mark, where I am strictly one on one. It's all private training. I, I have you know other trainers, obviously, that work here as well, and to have a very good steady cash flow all of a sudden go literally to zero uh, nearly three weeks ago now that that's been pretty brutal um, I would say luckily I've been in business here for 17 years and I've been able to set myself up over that time I weathered the financial crisis in 08 09 but that was easy compared to this because that I retracted about 30 percent right now I'm retracted a hundred percent and I don't know how long that's going to go on for. So it's the great unknown. Uh, the things I was able to do though over these 17 years was set up, you know, lines of credit in the, I own a corporation. I'm not a sole proprietorship. So I set up lines of credit in, in my corporation's name apart from personal. So I don't have to go into personal funds to, to keep this going, but I'd be lying if I said that I feel comfortable, even though I have a little bit of a cushion because, um, you just don't know what's going to happen. You, you know, landlord 
may or may not be agreeable. We're going back and forth, kind of, kind of jumping through some hoops if they're going to offer anything. Uh, even the things that the city of LA has done is, is a rent deferral, which still means I'm going to have to pay this. And so all of a sudden, there's a, even if I don't pay it for it this month or, or this month and next month, now I'm going to have to pay three times as much the following month when I am able to reopen. So, so it's, it's scary stuff. Uh, if I do have to borrow the money to do that, then at least I can put off the interest accruing uh, by this three-month deferral that the city is putting off. But still, it's a, it's a huge amount of money. And we don't know once we reopen just how quickly clients are going to come back because they're hurting too, just like we are. And so I could be at a quarter or third or half capacity for a while, maybe. I mean, we just don't know. It's the great unknown. So uh, one thing I'm trying to do is, is get more online stuff going on. Um, not necessarily that's going to be some huge cash flow during this crisis, but now I've actually got the time to deal with it that I didn't have before when I'm wearing hats of, you know, training people full time and running a business and running, you know, a household. I take care of all of our household bills and all that kind of stuff. So um, at least now I have the time to devote to that and make that as professional as what the in-person experience is. So I'm just trying to do as much as I can to make this time off productive. It doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to lead to having a brick and mortar business still open when all this is said and done, but at least hopefully I will have other stuff ready and in the pipeline to, to try to change to. And, you know, I mean, we just don't know. It's, it's the great unknown. All we can do is try to, to be positive and do as much as we can to come through this with something good to show for the time off. So I've probably been working out far more than I worked out before, even though I was, I was at the gym six days a week already. But now, you know, I can come in here, you know, by myself. And even if it's just, you know, a half an hour walk on the treadmill just to clear my mind and, and not think about this stuff for a little bit, it, it's a good thing. You have an expensive home gym now. Yeah, well, I actually have a home gym too. So it's like, um, I could be doing this, this stuff at home, uh, but I like to come in here. I like to check on things um, in case there would be, not that there has been any, but if there would be any messages on the phone or, or mail that I need to address. And it's just nice, you know, I've been doing a lot of interviews like this. And so it's nice to just come in here and, and have the gym and, and have some feeling of, of normalcy uh, to things. Cool, and you're still wearing a cool T-shirt, which is totally unbranded. Yes, you got to have my Sriracha T-shirt. <laughs> Mark, Mark, what's Mark been up to? I know it's been crazy over there, too. Yeah, yeah. So, let's see. So, we are in, this is the end of, I think, the third week of the uh, COVID transformation. So, we've been uh, shut down for a while now. I think of kind of adapting to the new norm here. I think for MFF, like everybody else, the real conversation everyone is like having with themselves is like what do we need to do to stay alive um obviously right now timelines are very up in the air i don't know how close you all are following it there's nobody even agrees on really what the timelines are but it's looking like there's a non-zero chance we're looking at like 18 months of on and off where you'll go two to three months everything shuts down you shelter in place you open up for one to three months to a tipping point and then you do it again so essentially we are doing our best to plan for worst case scenarios, look at absolute worst case scenarios for the next like 12 to 18 months, and then figure out what do we need to do to stay solvent. So the big, I think, emotional stressor has been that there's just no way around, this is what you know, the situation is, 
is how generous and helpful can we be with our team, knowing that if we're overly generous, they don't have a job to come back to. So the good news is this, some of these stimulus programs are getting uh, pushed out. I'm not going to go into great detail because it's probably not, the granularity is not relevant to most listeners, but the, the payroll protection program in particular looks like it's going to be very, very useful and at least in theory should allow us to hire every back for a couple months and have the government basically pay for that and part of the rent. Um, but the name of the game for the most part has been one, how do you replace the revenue? Two, how do you cut the expenses? So we did our very best to make hard decisions fast and cut expenses to the bone as best we can. Uh, everything right now is negotiable. Good news in the apocalypse, everybody's pretty flexible because it's the apocalypse. So we've been negotiating with everyone from vendors to landlords. Um, we have a big team, so we unfortunately had to temporarily pretty much lay everybody off, but we're able to at least continue to pay health insurance, which we're stoked about. Our hope is, again, if this all works out, we can hire everybody back for at least a couple months and have the government pay for it, which could be a really fascinating situation because what that might mean is like May, there's no physical MFF happening, but we've now 30 people trying to figure out what to do to move the ball forward. Uh, and my gosh, what a great problem that would be to have. So hopefully we'll have that problem. If not, being opened back up. Um, but I think for the revenue generating right now, we have pivoted to create an online platform called Homebody. Certainly not going to replace 100% of the revenue, but it's done really well. We've got like over 300 people in the program. So we're doing a pretty high volume. We've started to do uh, more corporate versions of it. So I think we have an opportunity to grow that and do corporate versions of it. And basically it's live stream classes, essentially what it is. And I think we've actually probably got opportunity to develop some other uh, ways to help people out in streams of revenue, like Zoom personal training. I think it could become its own thing. Um, but we're only really now getting our arms around that. The first couple of weeks was just so triagey. And even just like emotionally for me, I just like didn't have much. Like I was just like so shell-shocked that it took me a second to like, okay, uh, this week I feel like I've, I've, the ship is riding a little bit. I'm like, all right, all right, here we are. So I'm getting a little bit more thoughtful about, all right, we're doing some good stuff now. What else can we do? What can we do to make this better? What can we do to help more people? So that's kind of where my brain is because I think honestly, the, the good news is because we've been able to cut expenses the way we have, I'm pretty confident we're going to continue to be okay while we're in shutdown mode. I think the thing that's the big question mark for everybody is when we open back up, it's looking like this is, you know, again, there's a non-zero chance this is going to be comparable with Great Depression. So the level of economic carnage, particularly in a city like New York, is hard to fathom right now. So number one, we're likely to lose a large percentage of our clientele just because people don't have jobs. And number two, it's not like we're going to turn it back on and we're going to go back to full capacity. So particularly in markets like New York, where you don't have a lot of square footage, we probably can't jam people in like sardines anymore. So we're probably going to have to have this secondary strategy where we're not totally back, but we have a brick and mortar location, but we're doing maybe eight people per class instead of 15. And we have to have more time in between the classes to clean. And that's going to mean we have reduced capacity and it's going to mean we probably have reduced profitability for that time period. Again, all of this could be wrong. Obviously we all hope there's some miracles going to happen or some breakthrough the vaccine is going to happen. But I think as people are thinking through how to approach this, now is not the time to just sort of like cross your fingers. you be like, I hope this is only a couple of weeks because it's probably not going to be. And I would much rather be wrong and be like, oh, wow, I really prepared for a nightmare scenario. And ultimately it's not that bad than the inversion of that situation. 
I think there are a few things that we can probably expect. I, I fully expect that forget about, you know, international travel for the remainder of 2020 in any really meaningful way. That's probably fair. The way that we, we all like to go travel to conferences and all this sort of stuff. And, and I, I really do expect that that stuff's re- unrealistic. Um, obviously, uh, Nick Bromberg, who runs the, um, the Kansas City Fitness Summit, that uh, obviously has been postponed. Uh, Chad, the event, uh, Tim Arndt's event in Spokane, uh, Inland Empire Fitness Conference, that's been postponed. And Nick is, you know, pointed that August for like postponing it for. And I mean, I can't speak for Nick, but I don't think that's probably very realistic to be able to mass organize and travel to something like that. I think the, the airline industry, that's going to be a whole different mess altogether. So I've already mentally filed away. And I think this is something everybody has to come to is understanding, okay, all my plans for this year, they're now on hold, but we'll be able to pick them up in 2021 and 2022, and we'll get back to some sort of life like that. But I also won't incur the expenses involved with going on these trips and all these conferences. I had a ton of stuff planned this year. I was looking forward to, I was going to go to Denver in September, uh, go visit Teen Nation headquarters and go to a Deftones concert. And, uh, well, you have to cancel I, your concert. That's the biggest thing about this whole. Uh, no, that's a small thing. But what I'm, I'm getting people prepared for is, the sooner you sort of wrap your head around and it took me not very long to go, okay, you know, all the stuff I was excited about for 2020, that stuff doesn't matter right now, but we're going to eventually get back to it. We're going to look back at this in 18 months, in two years. And that feels like forever right now in eternity. We're going to look back at this and go, okay, that fucking sucked. But you know, these things will still happen and we will gradually get back to normal life. Like Mark's point, what's going to happen with the economy and how much money people are going to have uh, that's going to be a great unknown. Something I do believe when it comes to gyms, there is going to be a, a massive craving to be in the gym space and to get back to workout. And you're going to see over the long term, people are going to appreciate what they lost access to. This this right that they thought they had that turned out to be a massive privilege. And I think we may see in our industry some long-term growth outside of that as long as people enough people have the revenue and as long as the economy and the jobs return that's why i liked what mark brought up and maybe we could touch on this was you're talking about the the difference between being generous and then being overly generous and, and essentially tanking your business and a lot like i like the way that you approach things and probably chad you too is that you can be generous and still build equity within your customer base but then still have a place that's going to be able to last this we'll call it whatever few months in isolation and be able to serve probably incoming surge of people that are going to probably still want training. Cause I don't think that's going away anytime soon, but you have to outlast this period of the unknown, which is interesting to get your takes on for sure. Well, I agree that survival right now is the name of the game. Like Mark said, it's been triage. I mean, anybody who knows me knows I'm probably one of the most positive guys that there is, you know, it's like I'm there. And, and yesterday was probably my lowest point in this whole thing. Um, you know, it was the first of the month and I got an email back from the landlord that instead of just kind of agreeing to my proposal, which was something similar that we had done in the past, I've got to jump through all these hoops now. And it's like, wow, you know, 17 years of being a great tenant and explaining to them in, a, in an email that I want to still be a tenant with you when this is all over. I hope you appreciate that because what's going to happen is not just gym business, but restaurants or whatever, there is going to be a lot of small businesses go under. It's just the facts. And along with that, the commercial real estate market is going to tank. 
And so there's going to be a lot of vacancies. So depending on how willing or not they are to work with me, will if I survive this thing, it might change my decision to renew my lease at the end of this. Because I think I'm going to have a whole lot more options than existed just two months ago when the market was kind of at its peak. So I think like what Mark was saying, it's, it's just a survival game right now. I mean, my worst case scenario, you know, if I had to, I would, I would close a gym. I'd have my corporation go bankrupt. You could, you could sell off all the equipment, whatever. You know, I will survive that. I've got a gym at home. I could train all my clients at home. And quite honest, my margins would probably be a lot higher by not having this space. Um, so there is a, a worst case scenario contingency plan there, but I hope I don't have to resort to that. But we have to be like Mark said, we gotta be realistic. Now is not the time, even though we want positivity, you, you also, when you're on the hook for as much money as Mark and I are with our leases and stuff, you can't just not pay it. You know, you're, you're, you're gonna be in big, big trouble. So, you know, trying to navigate this uh, has been tough. I think ultimately, both as a business and in personal finance, we all have an opportunity to come out of this actually much leaner and better functioning than we were before. Because now we noticed exactly what essential costs are and what stuff may have been frivolous that we did out of it being cool or, or our own egos or whatever it might be. So I do think there is an opportunity here to, to have a stronger, better business in the long run. And aside from the clients that we currently have and, and, and them, of course, dying to come back when, when all this is over, I do think that we're going to see in the data points that people that survived this virus were in better shape. Just, I think that's, that's going to come out in the data at some point that no matter what age group you were in, if you got it, you did better by being in good shape. So I think ultimately beyond this, people are going to be thinking about their health and fitness a lot more, especially people who maybe just ignored it before. Because this isn't the last pandemic we're going to have. We just have to be better prepared for the future. There's an important point there too. And, and I train a doctor and he's staying very on top of this. So forth. as it's happening, I'm getting kind of the worst case stuff, which is like anxiety bob every time I talk to him. But he's also being very stoic about it. And there's, there's a lot of information that isn't actually being publicly released for a variety of reasons. One of the things, and I don't want to get too deep into this, but that we should probably all be using masks out in public and different uh, medical personalities who are out in front of everything. There's varying reasons why they don't take it. We don't want the people to hoard them and they, they waffled on these things. But another thing that um, my doctor has said that, I don't know if it's political correctness, just isn't comfortable doing this stuff, but you're hearing all these anecdotal reports of younger people who are dying and having serious health complications. And he says, there's a really, really strong relationship with obesity there. And they're not saying that. And I actually have a big problem with the excessive fear and the, the sky is falling aspect of this, because I think a lot of the people who are tuned into it are already taking it very seriously. Yes, we have a fuck ton of idiots hosting like, uh, you know, big uh, assemblies and churches in various places who, who just aren't taking this seriously but it's the people who are on our social media already taking it seriously are still getting inundated with this terror you know this is the entire apocalypse all this sort of shit and i think that's actually be really detrimental to a lot of people's uh, emotional and physical health uh, long term but i still think it's worth saying things like this and i mean that's kind of scary for someone who's obese but let's say you're a younger person who's obese maybe you should be taking extreme precautions not to be out in in, in that environment 
But at the same time, I think there's something to be said for being honest about the real risks of this. And if you've got younger, healthy people, you I don't want to say you're invulnerable because then, of course, you go and get it and you, you spread it to someone in your world, an older parent, someone who's autoimmune or, or has respiratory issues. But at the same time, I don't like the idea of creating an, a ridiculous amount of terror for every single person walking around. And there is a relationship with obesity and a lot of other health complications. And the people who are having the more adverse effects when they're younger, according to this doctor that is well plugged in, is just not being set out in the media. That obesity is definitely a problem there. Well, it wouldn't surprise me too, especially in the younger population, if people who are like vaping or smokers or that kind of thing, because this is a respiratory illness. And so I think that all of, of this kind of stuff will probably come out at some point. Um, and you don't know why they're not putting some of this stuff out there. I mean, we're inundated with this stuff 24 seven as it is. So it's, it's really tough to decide, well, what information gets put out, what creates too much fear and anxiety, like you're saying, and it keeps people hoarding toilet paper and Clorox wipes and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and what is beneficial to get those people who still aren't paying attention to stay the hell home and self quarantine and social distance when they go out. So it's, it, it's a, unknown, I think, you know, how, how much information and of what kind needs to be put out there. And then ultimately in the long run, what do we need to know to keep this from happening again in the future and, and worse? Because, you know, we're lucky in some regards, uh, this isn't like as deadly as something like Ebola. If you had the, the communicability of this disease with the deadliness of Ebola, we'd be seeing way more deaths. So, you know, in some respects, we're lucky and this is a wake up call and we need to be preparing for the next one already as we're still trying to get through this. And maybe that's where like we go with some of the stuff because in, in terms of Mark even alluded to this where like class sizes may have to change or the time you think classes may have to change. How much of it do you think is on the gym ownership side of things, I guess ethically and morally just kind of do their part as we go through this, because there's going to be some gym owners who are like, yeah, like we just want to make money because the doors are going to close and they don't do those things. Like where do you guys fall and where do you see some of this stuff going? If that kind of like makes sense, because how much of it is on the gym owner to like kind of do these things? Yeah, it's a shit show, man. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's what you know, I, want. I, I think and I hope everybody does what they think is morally and ethically best, but just like nobody agrees. And there's so much fog of war right now, you know, like, <laughs> You know, for me, it's like kind of like to love this precautionary principle. The appropriate response here is overreaction. Yeah. The appropriate ethical response is overreaction, right? To Andrew's point, I think one of the most difficult things from a cognitive perspective to hold in your head is on the one hand, the, it does seem if you're a very fit young person, there's not, it's a non-zero chance. So you still precautionary principle, take those, don't take unnecessary chances. The reality is it probably doesn't present like certainly as big of a risk to you as it's someone with, with comorbidities. On the other hand, you're contributing to a risk for your society at large that might not affect you personally, but will have massive second and third order impacts on you. Because the thing that I think is worrisome to everybody, even to me is the thing I think about most, I am less concerned about myself getting it than I am about being an asymptomatic super spreader, right? And that's why I think we're seeing, we're, there's, there's, you know, I think I understand the challenge of the mask thing. I understand they can't really say wear a mask because everyone will hoard them. But we're thinking that the issue, part of why you wear the mask isn't for your, to prevent getting it. It's because if you have it and you don't know it, you want to prevent yourself from spreading it to other people. 
Um, but again, those are two difficult things to keep in your brain at the same time. Furthermore, there, you know, eventually, uh, unfortunately, in the probably near dystopic future, we'll be able to do this, but you would probably need to like plug into people's biometrics and understand their neuroticism scale for what the appropriate level of terror and fear and forward thinking optimism they need to take the appropriate logical action. But to even do that, you'd have to figure out what the appropriate logical action is, of which like there's a spectrum that seems reasonable, but like, again, a lot of fog of war out there, you know? So you have individuals that still seem like oblivious and you have people that are, I think, understandably overwhelmed with anxiety when it's maybe not entirely useful. But because of the precautionary principle, we're probably better off with people like needlessly freaking out and, and needlessly acting like the sky is falling because then at least they'll, they'll take lots of precautions. Whereas I think the, I have so much empathy and compassion for the Florida spring break people that are forever going to be on the video of saying, if I get Corona, I get Corona. Cause the reality, this is just a, this is just an uneducated young person that just did it. They weren't paying attention to the news enough. Cause it's like a 20 year old. And you know, we can say, I wish they would have, but you know, 20 year olds are kind of not perfect. This, this individual, unfortunately, <laughs> for the rest of their life will be this iconic gif of this person just so not getting it. Um, so we'll see, you know, I keep hoping wildly to be wrong and listen, I'm high on the neuroticism scale. So I think part of self-knowledge is knowing yourself and modulating. Like I'm always going to feel it's a bigger deal probably than it is. So I can kind of catch myself and be like, all right, I'm having this kind of emotional reaction, but I'm going to like take a breath here. Uh, you know, the famous Daniel Kahneman quote, nothing is ever as important as you think it is while you are thinking about it. <laughs> and for people like myself that, you know, can trend towards neuroticism, I have to constantly remind myself, okay, it's going to be okay. But at the same time, people like me are frankly probably valuable because like I'm preparing for the, the thing, you know, the doomsday prepper. I've been watching that. Like, Listen, man, watch that right now. But I, <laughs> I, I, I kind of am, you know, like I'm not really like a doomsday prepper as far as like, like having a bunch of like, could be though but i could be i have that thing you know i was talking yeah. to my buddy luca hosevar and i was like you know like in a weird way i feel wired for this kind of stuff because i am so happy all the time because i'm just constantly sur surprised every day that there's like financial markets and we all kind of like agree that these papers mean these things and like <laughs> we're not a society of vikings they're just raping and plundering and pillaging at all times like the fact that society mostly kind of works most of the time to me is, is the shocking thing, right? So I don't get shocked when I see things like autocratic dictators doing messed up stuff. I don't get shocked when we have pandemics. I don't like it, but like on some of them, like, all right, well, I kind of figured something this was gonna happen. It hasn't been kind of skating along pretty easy here these past few decades. Uh, and quite frankly, you know, to Chad's point, it's not gonna the last time something like this happens. Now, I don't know if it's gonna be a pandemic, right? It might just be the world global economy falling apart. It might be a really proficient dictator autocrat actually succeeding and taking over much of the world using biometric data to actually enslave some of the population. And again, this is all like out there Looney Tunes. This is why I don't pleasant company to talk about this stuff because <laughs> it sounds so crazy when I say it, but it's also why I'm happy all the time because every day I get up and I'm like, well, okay, still got running water. <laughs> gonna be we're gonna be like we're laughing no but like you're gonna be like sitting in the shower like crying later there, you <laughs> and i actually want to point this out you mentioned taleb so nasim taleb who's a, an author i love uh two thoughts first of all his book black swan well this shit is a black swan this is the stuff he was writing about i'm gonna go back and read that thing again because i think it's actually kind of poignant there's a you know kind of to both you guys are hinting at like there's not necessarily a ton we can do right now but there's a shit ton we can probably do to mentally and physically prepare for the, this sort of scenario again 
But Taleb's an interesting character to follow right now because Taleb is actually one of the people who's really downplaying our societal reaction to it. And while there's danger in that, I think if you actually take all the precautions and if you subject yourself to some of these ideas and people who aren't, you know, do, preaching the sky is falling, I think it, for me at least it's sort of ease, calms my anxiety a little bit to assess it from these different dimensions. I'm still not acting on it and running around in public and trying to hug people and, and do all this shit to say, ah, fuck, there's no big deal. But I, I certainly I have a very strong belief that we cannot immerse ourselves in only the absolute worst case scenario because I think the emotional damage is going to be terrible. That's why we wanted to bring you two on because essentially, like, if we have people listening that are kind of in this spot, like, we kind of think that you guys have... <laughs> Not all the answers. But oh boy, I'm mean, here. I have being like, oh, the Vikings are coming up. Fuck, sorry, but, listeners. But like, what does what Mark and what does Chad Fucking think about successful boys. businesses? How do they think about stuff? Because there's probably a lot of people who want to aspire to be those things, and I think if they can get on that level, of it, we're just talking about preparing. Like, you want to you want to boil it down to all the crazy. Like, you're just over preparing. Is that a bad thing? And I think that one thing is like. I don't think a lot of people are preparing and that might be a negative for a lot of those small businesses. Like Chad said, like they're going to be fucked. And maybe you saying crazy stuff might be like, Oh yeah. Like I need to do something. And that's what we would hopefully want out of this equation. Cause you're the happy guy. You, you guys are the happy dudes and <laughs> yeah, you're, you're not being super happy right now. So that, that's, no, no, I'm not super happy right now. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's tough, you know, and I, cause I, I, I do think, um, you know, the, the challenge again, and to some extent, this is the same issue with, what sort of level of anxiety is like useful that leads to good decision making, right? You probably need a little bit, but probably not too much, and it's still highly individual. Well, for fitness businesses, it's really kind of the same thing. It's so contextual. It depends on your business, your market. Because here's the other thing too. Frankly, you know, my hope is that you know Chad and I are gonna are absolutely gonna get fucking asses kicked. But there's parts of North America that might weather this a lot better. That are gonna you know there's gonna be economic impact. There's gonna be you know unfortunately fatalities everywhere. But my hope is that this isn't truly every single market, every single area. Obviously, urban markets are looking to be more uh, of a challenge, you know, and I have this kind of ongoing pet theory in general that urban markets are, um, the, the, I think conventional wisdom when you look at fitness businesses is your best bet are these like mid-sized markets, these like affluent suburb areas. Then, you know, your best bet, even though it's challenging, is like highly concentrated, dense urban populations. And then your worst scenario, these lower socioeconomic areas, just mining towns. And I actually think that's completely reversed. I think it's the opposite. In my experience, the people with fitness businesses that have very huge cash reserves, a lot of legs, very sustainable, tend to be people in markets that are pretty small, kind of socioeconomically depressed, that allow them to develop very loyal fan bases. There's not going to be another trainer that goes to perform better opening up down the street. They're not going to see much of the way of Orange Theory. So they're going to have a real big moat. They can pay their team a lot less. Their margins are going to be better. Their rent is going to be lower. They don't have to work as hard to retain people. Their employees are not constantly looking for other opportunities elsewhere. So I think, strangely, a lot of those markets are still going to weather this pretty well. They're going to be disrupted, right? Uh, and I think on the flip side is I think I do think it's challenging in a midsize in the crazy heavy markets like me and Chad. But on the other hand, there's in theory at least unlimited opportunity. Right, so even New York, after all is said and done, it's going to be more competitive. Yeah, but frankly, there's probably going to be less competitors. But there's still how many people within a 30, 45 minute subway ride of Mark Fisher Fitness? Still going to be literally millions, millions, literally. Whereas these people in these smaller, again, mid-sized market that they're big enough, 
that another trainer from Perform Better that also worked at their local chain also opened up a training-centric higher price studio. And they do have two F45s in Orange Theory. Those are the markets that, and again, I don't mean to scare you if you're in there, I still think a good operator is going to maneuver and can make any market work. That's hard. And it is a little bit harder. And I think a challenge is when you look at the fitness industry generally, speaking candid as we do here, the reality is, first of all, you don't know how much people are doing anyway, right? No one's using their tax returns. So like, you know, I, I think there's a lot of confusion actually probably about what margins we opened up everybody's books versus yep. what it looks like people are doing versus what they're doing, right? Um, and, you know, it's very hard on the outside to ever understand, is this a brilliant operator that is just in a dogfight, really making amazing gold out of a challenging environment that they just arbitrarily decided, I'm opening up here because this is where I'm from? Or is this something that just doesn't kind of know what they're doing, but really just like luck in the right market, the right place? You know, and I don't know that's really useful to spend too much time thinking on because basically what we're talking about is the difference between luck versus like skill. Uh, and I just think luck probably plays a bigger part than most of us feel comfortable with. And then frankly, just to put a, a pin in that, that's an academic conversation anyway, because since you can't control it, you might as well focus on operations, focus on being a better leader, focus on better product, focus on things you can control. And that's what I have to say about that. Real quick, um, I want to pivot this a bit, but I had a thought too, that something I, I have a theory. I think the now. major, major gym chains uh, in Canada, we have Good Life. Uh, LA Fitness is obviously a massive one. There are others. Planet Fitness. I think those corporations are going to survive and they'll roll through. I think they're probably going to have the reserves. And I think small businesses, we already talked about that. There, there, there's definitely some scary stuff there. Hopefully, even in the worst case scenario, a lot of those, like Chad said, you'll be able to kind of restart back up again. I actually suspect the first round of casualties, and we've already seen one, are the mid-size regional chains. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with Steve Nash Fitness. They're in uh, British Columbia, Canada. They're done. They've already announced that they've permanently laid off all their people. They haven't announced exactly what's going on, but the in internal belief is that they're going to be uh, going bankrupt. Who knows? They may be scooped up by someone else, restarted when this is all over. But apparently, Steve Nash Fitness is is totally done. LeBron James. Now, where I wanted to also make sure we went with this is because I think of our listener base, there's probably only a small number of actually physical gym owners, facility owners. So I wanted your guys' thoughts on stuff for you know, the, the trainers, the people who are working out of these facilities who are independent or work out of big gyms or whatever, like your thoughts for stuff for them to get by attitude. More open. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, it's interesting. They're obviously doing a lot of this work right now because in addition to MFF, which strangely to be completely transparent, I have not been, I mean, I'm obviously involved in it, but Amanda Wheeler is really running like the fitness virtual stuff for us. So mine has been more like kind of big picture and I'm like just now getting my wheel arms around some more um, pedal the metal on the marketing stuff, which is kind of what I own on a day-to-day -day basis in, in the real world. However, because of business for unicorns, I'm working with like a wide variety of like trainers and gym owners and people in all sorts of different situations. And the thing is different size fitness businesses have different strengths and uh, challenges. And a sm like personal trainers and smaller fitness business owners have different weaknesses to MFF, but they have different strengths. So I think the hustle right now of really keeping those relationships going, if you have a clientele base of you know, 10, 20, 25 people, you have a real opportunity to stay present with people, to build on that personal connection, think of things that continue to keep that connection strong, give your clients a break if they need a break financially, just do everything you can to be of service and keep that bond in those smaller communities tight. I think if people do that, 
on the other side of this, I think there's really an opportunity to, to come out on top because quite frankly, when I think about 2008, I remember when that happened and I was a personal trainer at that time and it was kind of like, oh, well, because I, I didn't have any money at that time, right? It wasn't like my, I was like looking at my stocks, right? I didn't have any <laughs> stocks. So like I knew it was a really bad thing going on, but frankly, it didn't really touch me. I was like, yep, audition slowed down a little bit you know, maybe at a couple less clients, right? But frankly, it's easier for a personal trainer to, to go down from, you know, 20 clients to 16 clients than for a business to lose 20% of the revenue for a two-year basis, right? So I would hope that anybody listening to this, if you've been feeling at all stressed, I would say that actually, if you are a personal trainer and you take action now, try to leverage the one-on-one -on -one training to get some revenue coming in, I suggest, again, do whatever you want to do. I'm not the guy ever that tells me to do it to do. Some of you are like, I hate that. That's what I want to do. Like, no, guy, you don't have to. But I think that you could. <laughs> I think that what I've seen anecdotally for one-on-one -on -one training for Zoom is people seem to be just anecdotally more resistant to that than the live streaming classes. So my suggestion is try to convince your clients to just let you try it for free once or twice on the house. And I think after the experience alone, be like, actually, that was surprisingly useful. They also don't got a lot going on right now too, a lot of them. So they might be happy to have some fitness thing. Uh, and uh, this is something I noticed my friend Chris Burtis on Lift the Bar. Don't be totally discouraged if people don't want to do it the one week. Be kind, but just continue to generously, gently invite them to try, right? Because, uh, you know, my understanding from Chris was, uh, and I don't want to mess up his story, but basically his first interpretation of like one of his longest clients is like, oh, this, this guy didn't want to train with me. Like, and I'm like bummed because now's the time where I need the help. And then ultimately it was just like that person just, they couldn't think the first like two weeks. Like, I, I don't know about you guys. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm only coming out of the fog now and it's still like hour to hour, right? So it's like, it, it's not necessarily they didn't want to train. It was just like, well, gosh, it was just a really hard time. People just need a little bit of time and they, they just didn't feel like fitnessing right then and there, but humans adapt, humans are resilient. So now week three, week four, suddenly there's some individuals that maybe at first were resistant to it. I bet if you circle back, I bet if you stay in touch. And again, I think the key here is you're not hard selling, right? You're just going to continue to generously invite them. Here's an opportunity. Here's a thing I'd like to offer you if it feels good to you. Um, and I think you'll be surprised how many of those people that at first were like, absolutely not, probably three, four weeks in might be down to give that service a whirl. I can actually attest to that. One of my clients, she's a, uh, and initially I started out and I was, I was doing some in-home training. Obviously I've had to cool that down because it's just too risky. But uh, one of my clients, she's a pharmacist who works in um, the local remand center. So it's a prison, right? And so she immediately, even before the gym's closed, she said, hey, I won't be able to come in and train. You know, I'm definitely at risk of being exposed to this. And so we talked about, you know, doing some video stuff and, and she managed to cobble together some basic fitness equipment. And she was on board, but she was sort of like hesitant about the, the first sort of Zoom call. Uh, after she did it, she was thrilled she loved it and she realized how important that physical that that interpersonal connection was totally. so we did the second one she was really amped about it and we're limited in what we could do i still built a program with the equipment she had but she, she was definitely looking forward to it and now so she's now booked her third which is you know more, more less time in between than the second one she was sort of doing once a week and so she realizes how important this is so it absolutely aligns with what you said well, and I'll piggyback onto that with what I did um, right after we got shut down. Uh, Victor was kind of my right hand man here. He and I came in, he, you know, wearing masks and gloves, and <clears throat> I shot videos of some appropriate exercises for people who didn't really have much of a in the way of a home gym. Some body weight stuff, some band stuff, some, some TRX stuff. 
Um, I put that together, you know, I have a you know, private links on Vimeo and I put an email together for all of our clients and, and showed them like, cause normally they don't have to think about this stuff. They just show up and do whatever we tell them to do. So I gave them, you know, this is a, a sample or a template, if you will, if you want to do straight sets, if you want to do it in a circuit, if you want to do kind of, you know, mini circuits or, you know, supersets or whatever, um, just so they would have something to know that we were thinking about them. And then of course I said, now also we have the ability to train you online too, whether that just means, uh, using, you know, my, my app, or if you want more direct stuff via Zoom, that's you know a possibility too. And nobody has really done that yet, though some have you know texted me and they did order tubing and stuff on Amazon. Uh, but I will circle back around because you know Mark and I are both big on on company culture, and we both have businesses, even though they're they're polar opposites in a lot of ways. But it's it's like cheers where everybody knows your name. And so it, it is a big family. People want us to do well. And we've had clients who are like, oh, just, just keep charging me as if I was coming in. And I just don't feel right about doing that, you know. Um, but, you know, people are out there wanting to support us and wanting to do well. And I think Mark's right. We're all in shell shock. Um, I took it as an opportunity also to send that same email to old clients who hadn't been in in a long time and just say, hey, maybe, you know, you're stuck at home and thinking about, you know, workout stuff as well. Here's some ideas, stuff obviously they may have been familiar with when they were here at the gym. And who knows whether that leads to them wanting to do something online or hopefully when we reopen, coming back and being here in person. It's definitely an opportunity to still foster those relationships, both of people who were still in here three weeks ago, but people who may not have been in here for three years that yeah. you, you can reach out to. And I think for a lot of us, this opportunity to do a little bit more online stuff, it's not that we're going to necessarily switch to being online only, but we may be able to develop a hybrid model going forward for like for me, normally clients come in here two or three days a week for an hour, you know, one-on-one. -on -one. Well, we might be able to going forward appeal to people who maybe they can't afford to do two or three hours a week in here, but they can afford to come once a week or once every other week or once a month and do the rest online, either via the app or via Zoom at a lower price point or whatever. So I think there is opportunity here to revamp and remodel your offerings coming out of this that will make you more resilient in the long run. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that's an important point for listeners, particularly personal trainers. So when I teach sales and marketing, I always talk about your CCs, your FCs, and your UPs. You have your current clients. Importantly, your former clients are always the best source of new clients and your unconverted prospects. Then you might argue there's a, bit, a larger bucket of people you don't have much relationship with, but maybe have contact info. Well, again, if you're a personal trainer, that's the advantage you have is if you've been a personal trainer for five years, you might have maybe, let's say, 15 active clients but maybe you've worked with 40, 50 people over the past five years, and a lot of them now might be open to an opportunity to come back to you, particularly if they've got nothing going on right now, they probably need some help with their fitness, you've already got the relationship. So I think capitalizing on those existing relationships and taking advantage, again, of being smaller, you can do a lot more individualized, personalized hustle, right? Uh, emails are great, but I think one thing for this year that I think – I'm like really MFF finally got our arms around and was like a game changer for us. It's so dumb. It's just like texting, you know, personal trainers listen to probably like, Oh, well, duh, obviously you need to text people. But if you have, you know, 
if you're dealing with, you know, 15,000 people on an email list and a thousand clients at a time, we mostly were an email game. And that I think really like was not a great thing for two years. And as soon as we started texting people, it was like game changer. So, you know, my suggestion is the more you can really put out that personalized individual hustle to your current clients, former clients and unconverted prospects, which I would maybe say that just the bucket of people that you have a personal relationship with, whether you've ever worked with them or not, I think that's where the opportunity is going to be. I think long-term, yes, you want to figure about growing your business. I'm not as optimistic right now that everybody's going to be like Facebook ads are cheaper right now, but the reality is every fitness professional in the world is now fighting over every person online. Many of them lost their jobs again, not to be like dark guy over here, gloomy guy. Um, but I'm not super optimistic about people like just blowing up their business, all these brand new clients that they never had before. I am very optimistic, however, about people leveraging these existing relationships. And again, this might change week to week. But right now, like Chad said, even our homebody program, I think, I don't, I don't have data for you, but I imagine out of those like 300, 350-ish people we have on there, probably 50 to 75 at least are people that have been away from MFF for more than a year. And sometimes there are people that moved away. Sometimes there are people that just like, it wasn't the right fit anymore. So I think that's a very useful uh, thing for people to explore if they're looking to get some business at this time. So go back to the basics. I guess go the basic thing about all yeah. of this is like, so there's like this talk about this technology push because everyone's testing the waters out. But then at the same time, the stuff that always worked, like and you're saying personal trainers because they got to hustle, that stuff still works. And it probably yeah. works better than a lot of this other stuff depending on where you're positioned, which is interesting coming from you. Like it's just interesting completely. Yeah, and I, I think another uh, real opportunity too is, is if you are a personal trainer with your clients, I think, again, I'm not certain you're going to get lots of like blind new leads. They're going to like get in your funnel and you're going to nurture them and get a trial. Like I don't, I don't, again, maybe you will, I don't know. But I think the easier move is another basic strategy that everybody should have in play, which I think will get even more traction is just be honest with your clients. Tell them like, do you know anybody else that might benefit from my services? So I think referral asks, I think would be very potentially useful right now. Uh, and then based on the size of your business, like I said, we, we, I think it's looking like we might have a real opportunity in the corporate space because a lot of businesses now, everybody's at home. MFF happens to now have like an already going, really jamming live stream class product. But you might have, if you have clients that have businesses, that might be another thing for you to have conversations about. Chad? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I agree with what, you know, Mark's saying. It's all, it's always been about relationships, whether it's one-on-one, -on -one, in person, or now you're going virtual. So I do think, like, I've always been a big texter, and I always, not so much memes, but I'm definitely with the uh, GIF files and stuff, sending funny stuff, keeping that, that connection with people there. Um, so it's not unusual to hear from me, even if it's a client that I haven't trained in five or 10 years, because I'm constantly reaching out to people. So it doesn't come across as salesy or, or anything like that. And, and when I sent that email out, I, I told people, hey, if you have you know friends or family that are, are stuck at home that you think might be interested, uh, these videos will help them, feel free to share it with them. No, no sales involved at all, it's free, here, go ahead. And then um, just this morning, I was on an interview uh, back home in Illinois where I grew up and, you know, talking about fitness and health and the apocalypse and whatever. And 
anybody who, you know, goes to my, you know, pushprivatefitness.com website can go and, and sign up for an email and I'll send that exact same email to them. That's got all those home videos and all that kind of stuff. So who knows if that will lead to paying clients going forward, but it certainly doesn't hurt to create that, that community and having more people know about you because it's not oftentimes that person that you get in front of those eyeballs at first, but everybody likes to be kind of the guy who knows somebody. And so if somebody sees that email and they may not want it, but then they're talking to somebody else, Oh man, I've been thinking about working out at home. Well, Hey, I know a guy who trains celebrities in LA who just sent this great email. Let me forward it to you. And, and maybe that'll work for you. So we oftentimes don't think about things that are two and three steps forward. We're just thinking about that initial person and, Oh man, they didn't train with me or whatever. But I mean, I can't tell you how many times here in person I get referrals. I have two instances from the last year where and it's kind of funny, actually an old actor client of mine, uh, two of his former girlfriends each referred me their current boyfriends. So <laughs> like that happened. Absolutely. I've told yeah, you that. it's yeah. like, and it was within the same week. It was ironic. It was like out of the blue, the first girlfriend, Hey, I want you to train my fiance. Oh, cool. Great. Then a week later, the other girlfriend's like, Hey, I want you to train my boyfriend. I'm like, you know, so you just never know, you know, you need to have that, that circle of people who, who know you and know what you're doing, even if stuff, you're not monetizing it right now, if, if stuff is, is free. Um, you know, there, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, obviously, your existing customers are always going to be the easiest sell because they've already proven that they're spending like, in my case here, people are spending a lot of money one-on-one -on -one training each month. So for them, having something that's going to be there's nothing I could offer them that would be more expensive than what they're already used to paying. Everything virtual is going to be a lot less. I can see like with Mark's homebody thing, people who are using that now, if, if he set that up in like an, a recurring monthly thing, I could see people that still want access to that even when he's reopened and they're doing classes just in case they can't make it to a class. Boom. They've got it there available to them. So I 100%. don't think that, yeah, I don't think a lot of this stuff we're doing now we should we should think of as just like a band-aid on things okay this is actually a real opportunity to to revamp and streamline and offer stuff that maybe you never thought of before because i know with me i mean shit i've been doing one-on-one -on -one training in la for 27 years so i'm definitely kind of set in my ways a lot but this has forced me to be like you know what this is a whole new world that we, we don't know how we're going to come out of this if i don't adapt with it, the likelihood of me not surviving is much greater. Now, one thing that I, I, I agree with Mark with one-on-one with -on -one and, and the groups having different strengths and weaknesses, the weakness that I have with, with reach, where, where Mark has is much more ability to, to have many more clients and people who he touches. Uh, with me, it, one client makes so much difference to my cash flow because they're at such a high dollar point that it doesn't take too many clients coming back to be doing really well. So that's where I think the, the personal trainers um, have the ability, if, if they can weather this, to, to come out of it maybe much more quickly than, than some other people who have a different business model. 
but but who knows for sure i just liked your elevator pitch like you're the dude from la that trains celebrities like that should be, <laughs> that should be on your facebook you know and they're like i train people to have six-figure businesses that should be your thing <laughs> yeah well you know the thing that actually i'm most excited about right now i don't know if you've seen the post i made it james krieger and i have been uh creating a course yeah. um fit pro financial because a lot of whether they're personal trainers or gym owners never have any money, don't have any savings, don't have any retirement set up, don't have, a, forget about a six month emergency fund, don't have a one month emergency fund, you know? So that's the kind of stuff we were already planning on teaching before this went down. And this has just made it even more relevant that you need to take this stuff seriously because a disruption, I, I mean, I've never seen something like this. I've been around 51 years. I've never seen this kind of a, shutdown a, a global shutdown basically so being you know more resilient having cash on hand it's definitely if you have cash on hand the perfect time to start investing in the stock market because it's been hammered so much you know and, and i started really investing heavily the last crash year 2008 2009 and the amount of money that i've been able to accrue from that in the last year where if i had just saved it in a savings account i'd have nothing but because of that. So this is, this is opportunity if you have it. Now, a lot of people don't have the money and shouldn't be investing in the stock market right now because they didn't prepare, don't have you know, the ability to do that. But that's the kind of thing we're going to teach is how to do that. Even if you only have $5 a week to start putting in and investing, but get in that habit of doing it. Because I think that that's going to be more critical than ever going forward to be able to survive this that's and okay. survive the next thing and the next thing, whatever it may be. That's way better advice. When I was watching Doomsday Preppers, he said that you should take all your money and put it into silver and gold and barter. So I don't, <laughs> I don't think that it, he's kind of like Mark esque in the way he was explaining. It. So like, now I know, like, don't do that. I see. I I get where they're going with it, but for me, like, okay, so again, like, super super dark thoughts. Like in the world in which like the financial system completely collapses, right? And everyone's like, yes. no one has any money anymore because money doesn't exist. Best of luck to you. Well, then it's fucking fitness, right? That's like, I got to fucking go out and fucking hunt. got to fucking farm, like, you know. <laughs> it's like, survival of the then, fittest, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and that's like, you know, another like mild, like not a consolation, but no, this should be consolation. I hope everybody listening to this, this makes them feel a little bit better too because it's just like human nature for everyone. It's like, oh, I'm in this, I am alone in my suffering, you know? It's like just the, it's really your brain works. Your brain is designed to think that. I'm like, that's totally normal. But I just want to give you a big hug and just say like, it's really tough all over right now for everybody. Right. And listen, if I can wave a magic wand and just personally be super fucked and everybody else could be okay, like I, I would do that. I would love to be able to do that. But since I can't, at least we all can have this very challenging time together. Um, and then ultimately, like the one thing we know about humans is they adapt. Like you're just resilient. We're going to have a stronger batch of businesses, human society. I really, really believe that. Is it going to be perfect? No, nothing humans do is ever perfect. It'll still be super fucked up. But I genuinely think on the other side of this, and again, that's not to dis dismiss or discount the very real challenges that are going to happen, because um, I'm not belittling that, uh, and I'm not saying I would choose this road, but I think we can both be super depressed and sad and bummed and angry, but also at the same time reflect on the very many positive things. Like we've discussed, like the virtual stuff is going to be a positive thing going forward. It's going to be it's going to be better, right? I think the businesses that to get through this are going to be more robust. I think like Chad said a great point before too, both personally and for your business, it gets really clear what you really should be spending your money on, right? So because of the gravity of this disruption, 
there's an opportunity to move with great brevity towards the business and career and life that you most want. Because any evolving human is constantly learning, you're growing. And what that means is you're always slightly outgrowing your current life, your current business, constantly seeing these things you're like, oh, I wish this wasn't exactly like that. And it can be very challenging in the inertia of life that most of us have to make some of those changes. They can be very painful changes to make. But for better or for worse, right now, there's an opportunity to really cauterize some wounds, make some hard choices fast, and move much more quickly to the life that you really want to be living. Well, we are almost out of time. And Mark, that was a wonderful, positive place to take this. Oh, I finally uh, gave you positivity. Finally. <laughs> Porter guy. Finally. Jeez. Really appreciate both of you guys coming on. Chad, I'll give you a sec here if you want to have like a final thought as well. But I wanted to just quickly make sure people were, were finding and following you guys. Uh, Chad, I think it's just uh, at Chad Landers on, uh, on your Instagram. And I know Mark, it's, what, what's your handle? It's at Mark Fisher. At Mark Fisher, human being. Human being, right. So guys, I can't stress enough why you should follow these two guys. are two of the most genuine, positive, amazing people in the industry. Mm -hmm. both very good friends. You've been amazing to me and my my fitness career's growth, which has done really well. And, and mentally, I'm putting that a bit on pause right now as I go into survival mode too. So uh, Chad, real quick, anything you want to add to that? Well, like Mark said, there is some positivity out there. I, I'm excited, you know, when I see something on the news like, like Dyson, who, you know, I have a couple of Dyson vacuum cleaners, and all of a sudden within 10 days, he created a whole different kind of ventilator and, and started producing it. I mean, I think the, the capacity for human ingenuity is limitless and i think that we're we're seeing that and what gets most of the news cycle is the doom and gloom and the negativity and the fear and and sometimes rightly so because some people aren't taking it seriously but the things that i'm most excited about is man there's people that really on a dime start turning things around and doing something different that they probably never thought about doing before and are making a huge huge impact on the world and so that's what you know, makes me think that, okay, this is a serious deal, but if we all just self-quarantine and practice the social distancing, the sooner we all buckle down and do that, the sooner we get back to normal. But if we piecemeal this thing and drag it out, this thing is going to, like Mark said, last 12 months, 18 months, whatever. Um, you know, we need to do what we can to flatten the curve, to get the production ramped up, of testing, because the only way we're going to get back to normal is if literally every human being can be tested. And then we can find out, okay, you actually did have it, and you didn't even know it, and you recovered, you're cleared to go back to work. If we can actually clear people sooner that have had it, instead of having to wait until everybody on earth has been exposed and either died or survived it, that's, that's going to take too long. So I think we've got to do what we can to, to stay home, stay positive, flatten this curve, let production of things like masks and toilet paper and ventilators and all that stuff ramp up to be able to handle the crush. And, and we're going to get through this. Um, it's just, you know, the, the short term, like Mark said, we're, we're all full of anxiety and we need each other now more than ever. So whether it's, you know, Zoom calls or texts or whatever, you know, reach out to the people that you know and love and care about and, um, let them know that they're not alone because we are all in this together. Good. Perfect. We got there's, there's hard stop. I'm hard stopping it, Andrew. Thanks, guys. Shut up and sit down. Shut up and sit down.